Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. The Built by Bama Online podcast presents Daybreak for Monday, April the 6th, 2020. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you three times per week. Now, coming up a little bit later in the podcast, we're going to check in with Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for us there at 247sports.com. We're going to have some fun With Chris coming up in a little bit, we're going to get into previewing what is now a Final Four for 247sports.com's all-time recruit. You're going to be able to vote on that at 247sports.com today and throughout the week. It's down to four recruits for all-time. Julio Jones, the Alabama representative, left among those Final Four. So you're going to want to do that later today and into Tuesday as well, as we narrow that baby down. We're going to get into some things with Chris in which we compare some USC teams from the past with some Alabama teams of late. We're also going to talk about the loss of spring drills and how that impacts Alabama, but probably even more so some teams across the conference from Alabama, the Eastern Division, the narrative as it relates to, say, Florida and Georgia. We'll hit on Alabama, but we'll get into some Florida, Georgia, and the rest of the SEC talk with Chris as well. Somehow our conversation will drift back around to the 2006 Cotton Bowl between Texas Tech and Alabama because it just seems like any time you talk about Alabama football in this century, even with all the national championships, it's like you can make this connection to the 2006 Cotton Bowl, which was the crowning moment, the crowning achievement probably of the Mike Shula era. Uh, here in Tuscaloosa. So we'll have some fun with that as well. Also, when you look ahead to the upcoming 2020 regular season schedule, there are some really nice non-conference matchups, as there typically is in those first couple of weeks of the regular season. We'll talk about some games that, if they do go by the wayside, we will especially miss if it doesn't go down, as we hope it does for the first couple of weeks of the 2020 college football regular season. We'll do all that with Chris coming up a little bit later in the podcast. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you stayed safe. Hope you stayed healthy. Uh, As again, we try to navigate this unprecedented event, global event with this COVID-19 crisis, this coronavirus. I hope you're keeping those hands clean because essentially at this point, that's all I really know to do because the more I watch the news channels, the more I watch the coverage uh it seems like we end up going in circles with this stuff not that you shouldn't take every precaution that's being thrown out there look if you have access to a mask and you have access to gloves and again maintaining a very clean environment around you at all times by all means do that but um yeah all i really know to do at this point is to wash my hands consistently that's all i truly feel like i've learned from all of this but In all seriousness, uh, again, we hope you're taking every precaution. We hope you're getting through this situation 
as best as you possibly can at Bama Online. We're trying our best to provide you with coverage, certainly as it relates to athletics at the University of Alabama. We're trying to maintain an approach of looking ahead to what we hope will be a college football season. But thankfully, there's been some news of note on the men's basketball front. Just over the weekend and really going into this week, the potential for some impactful news from a recruiting perspective. You already heard some yesterday. I got some really good news on that front, on the recruiting front, as Keon Ellis, the combo guard from Florida Southwestern State on the junior college level, averaged 18 points, four rebounds, two assists per game in 2019-2020 for the Bucs. Keon Ellis commits to the Alabama Crimson Tide. 247sports.com has Keon Ellis as the number one combo junior college guard for the class of 2020. Uh, You also are talking about a guy who, in the overall player rankings, checks in at third. And you look at him, he's 6'6", he has that length. And here's the thing, and a reason why you're probably going to continue to see Nate Oates and his staff recruit the creme de la creme of junior college players. It's because the style of play transitions so well, translates so well to what Nate Oates likes to do. If you've spent any time like myself, I spent the better part of two full seasons watching junior college basketball, both on the men's and women's fronts. Uh, Shelton State Community College. We're blessed right here in Tuscaloosa uh, to have – both in terms of men and women's programs, two top 25 programs in all of Division I NJCAA basketball. The women's program under Madonna Thompson year in, year out, a Final Four contender on the ladies' side. Joe Eatman does an outstanding job with the men's team there uh, at at Shelton State. But if you've attended, if you've taken in any type of high-level junior college basketball, you can see where – a guy like Keon Ellis and coming from that sort of style of play is perfect for what Nate Oates wants to do. So Keon Ellis commits. What you like is, again, you like the the 53.6% he shoots from the field most recently. You really like the 40% he shoots from three because we know those are going up in Nate Oates' style of play. Uh, and the length and the ability to finish in transition, run the floor, shoot the three, Uh, Keon Ellis, really nice pickup from the junior college ranks for Nate Oates in this class of 2020. Not done yet either. I mean, you still got some transfers out there, grad transfers specifically in Jordan Bruner from Yale that's been mentioned, a post at 6'9", shoots the three at 33% or so, not a bad number for a bigger guy. Uh, You like the double-double average, essentially, that he had from the 2019-2020 season. So that's a name that's still out there. What you're particularly interested in, if you're an Alabama fan here in the next couple of days, Darius Miles on the prep level from IMG expected to make his announcement on Tuesday. At last check, that was the case anyway. Originally from the D.C. area, uh, he's another one of those guys, 6'5", 6'6", in that neighborhood down to Alabama, Boston College, Memphis, and Minnesota for Darius Miles. I think our guys, Hank South, Tim Watts, the BamaOnline.com staff, feel pretty good, felt pretty good anyway, about the chances for Alabama to add another long, athletic uh, wing type in Darius Miles. So we're going to keep you up to speed with all the college basketball recruiting news 
here certainly in the next couple of days. Saquon Singleton, another prospect on the junior college level that's been linked to Alabama. Saw some crystal balls, though, over the weekend that had Saquon Singleton headed to New Mexico, which makes you wonder if perhaps it was an either-or situation, or it is an either-or situation. Maybe it isn't, but when you look at sort of the measurables and the skill sets of Keon Ellis coming from the junior college level, and Saquon Singleton, these are both guys in that 6'6 range. Singleton, not as much of a a threat from the three-point line. Not nearly as much of a threat from the three-point line as Keon Ellis. But who knows? Maybe Saquon Singleton's going to become Latrell Sprewell when he gets to his four-year stop. Remember uh, Latrell, right, when he got to Alabama? Really, in his time at Alabama. Known more as a defensive guy. Not much of a, a score type. A shooter, for sure, he wasn't known as. Uh, but it worked out pretty well. We'll see what happens with Saquon Singleton here in the next little bit. So there you go. A lot of recruiting news as it relates to hoops at BamaOnline.com. And what we're going to do next, we're going to talk some football with Chris Hummer, national college football writer for 247sports.com. We're going to do that on daybreak for this Monday, April the 6th, 2020, right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're going to check in with Chris Hummer right now on Daybreak on this Monday. Chris, of course, the 247sports.com national college football writer. Great, great stuff from Chris. If you haven't already, give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Chris underscore Hummer, H-U-M-M-E-R. Chris, how you holding up, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, just kind of chilling inside a lot, running a little bit, running low on toilet paper, but uh, I'm hoping to come <laughs> back to stock, so it'll be good. You know, I kind of, that's where I'm at on this whole thing. You know, you hear about folks saying, oh man, this quarantine's going to put 20 pounds on me. It's all about how you want to use it, Chris. I mean, what else do you have to do right now except to maybe go run eight or 10 miles a day in the neighborhood? Really? I mean, other than our work, obviously, for you and I and others, this isn't really any big change in terms of our uh, day-to-day life from an employment standpoint, but uh now, you don't have to put on the quarantine 20, I guess is my point here. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like your freshman year of college. You're not having keggers every day. You can just, uh, you can cook a little more. I'm cheap, so that's what I'm doing. I'm running a little bit. Don't know about eight to 10 miles. I think I make it about two before <laughs> I'm like tapped out, but it's good. Yeah, like uh, it's not that different, but it's also just like it has some virtual happy hours. And uh, yeah, I think, I think you could take some weight off during this, just eat a little healthier. It's good for everyone. Yeah, we've got some of the neighborhood establishments still doing growlers, so you got to be careful. Oh, oh, yeah, that's with tough. the craft beer growlers. You know, they they don't just growl; they can bite. You know, if you. Oh yeah, they'll they'll bite and they'll sit with you for a while. <laughs> if you just sit down. Yeah, I'm just doing Dos Equis from my fridge, so I'm uh, saving myself from the growlers. Yeah, I, I can tell you're in Texas when you start pulling the old Dos Equis card. You know, kind of <laughs> rings true. I don't know man. Doesn't get much better. No, can't complain about that. Can't complain at all. Hey, Chris, I know you guys a lot of fun stuff going on for us there at 247sports.com. And really one of those 
prime topics and, and prime subjects that we were going to talk to you about is the all-time recruit tournament or bracket that you've had going on there at 247sports.com. Uh, most recently got down to an Elite Eight. You had a couple of Alabama greats in that uh, Elite Eight and Derrick Henry and Julio Jones. And it sounds like one of the two survived to the Final Four. And as we go into this week, uh, an opportunity for Alabama fans, I guess, to try to push one of their own through here uh, and into the finals come midweek. Yeah, Derrick Henry, who I thought was going to make it to the Final Four, but he got caught by Reggie Bush. Uh, it was the closest uh, of the Elite Eight matchups. Like, uh, Reggie Bush won by about 1,500 votes. So uh, Derrick Henry moved on. But Julio, Julio Jones, still representing for Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He took down Leonard Fournette in what I would consider a big upset. So uh, Julio, who I think is probably the best wide receiver prospect we've seen since Randy Moss, is representing Alabama well. Yeah, you talk about Julio, man, and you talk about this run at Alabama under Nick Saban and that 2008 class in general, when you want to go back and talk about a lot of star power and a lot of guys that went a long way and helping Alabama make that run. Julio was sort of the flagship recruit of that class, but uh, on both sides of the ball, you can talk about Mark Barron. I mean, you, you, you can talk about a lot of guys in that class and uh, as a foundational, certainly, group uh, that led to a lot of great things at Alabama. And still, uh, Alabama fans hope some continued great things at some point down the road uh, from their program. Now, Chris, uh, I got to ask you. Do you think maybe there was some recency bias in Reggie's win over Derrick Henry? Because, as we know, on Thursday night we had that uh, we had that replay of that 2006 BCS National Championship game with Reggie and and SC against uh, Vince Young and those Texas Longhorns. Yeah, it's actually I don't even think it was recency bias. That was a great game, by the way. I enjoyed it last night. I'm just somebody who grew up as a Texas fan. But like I was talking to Greg Biggins earlier, actually, um, one of our uh, national experts out on the West Coast, and he was telling me, like, even to this day, like people from Los Angeles, whenever they talk about USC, still say they grew up a Reggie Bush fan. And at this point, these kids were like one years old when that game happened. So I think Reggie is just like such a name ingrained within college football that he moved on over Derrick Henry, a guy who, in my opinion, is the best high school running back ever. So in that way, I think there was some recency bias, but I just think it was a I think it was a name recognition recognition thing, as opposed to anything else. Not to say Derrick Henry isn't a big name; he was in the NFL MVP discussion like three months ago. But Reggie's kind of it when we talk about college football running backs ever. Is it time for the Heisman Trust, the Heisman Trust Foundation, to give that trophy back to Reggie Bush that it vacated? <laughs> uh, probably. Uh, I think given what we see in college football on a day-to-day basis, uh, what Reggie Bush had happened to him was probably on the lighter end of things. Um, but yeah, like he won, like, let's not, we're not, we're not pretending here. He won the award. Like, should he have won the award? No, Vince Young should have won the award. No <laughs> but like Reggie won, so just give him his trophy. That's my opinion. Yeah. That, that, uh, at Texas, those, uh, foundational years, uh, for, for Chris Hummer coming through there. But no, I mean, based on just that game, I mean, Vince Young, just amazing. And in some ways, it's reminiscent covering Alabama of kind of like what we saw 
in the 2016 season in that championship game that capped that season down in Tampa, right? Kind of Deshaun Watson uh, and Clemson. And and I've made the comparison to this Alabama team the last couple of years, speaking of that 2005 SC team. I think Alabama 2018 and Alabama probably even more so 2019, a lot like 2005 SC. You had star left-handed quarterbacks, for crying out loud, Matt Leinart of SC, and of course, Tua Tonga Bailoa of Alabama. And you had offenses that could light just about anybody up, but by Pete Carroll standards and by Nick Saban standards, that defense for SC in 05 and the defenses for Alabama the last couple of years, not exactly what you've grown to expect really from either of those guys in either of those runs. Yeah, and it's actually it's kind of interesting you bring that. I think USC USC won two titles in that three year stretch with Reggie Bush and um, yeah. Matt Leinart. But Alabama, like if you would have told me that they got their one in 2018 and they would only win one with Tua and that 2018 class together, I would have been really surprised. And it's kind of crazy looking back on it that that 2018 Alabama group only got one uh, national championship because that class is as good as any we've seen perhaps since like maybe 2003 USC, which was pretty stacked on its own. Yeah. Still got some residuals from that uh, class that Tua came in with. My apologies to Alex Alderwood. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But you got Najee Harris still around. You still got Devontae uh, Smith around and the other quarterback in that class, Mac Jones, Chris. And that's part of what we wanted to talk about too, in terms of, how we've essentially been without spring practice in March and April of this year because of this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, And with that, maybe some programs, some situations, maybe some that we talk about a lot in terms of Power 5 Blue Bloods, maybe some programs that you had marked as potential risers for 2020. But with this situation, the uncertainty being what it is without time on the field in the spring, Wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of teams that maybe are feeling the effects of this more so than even some others. And let's talk about Alabama with Tua moving on, with Henry Ruggs III and Jerry Judy moving on, Jedrick Wills moving on. Um, Where do you see Alabama sort of falling in that mix of teams that really could have used uh, a run of spring practice here in 2020? Um, somewhere in the middle, um, maybe simply just because unlike a lot of other years, we didn't see a ton of coordinator turnover at Alabama this year. Um, largely static in that regard. Um, and I know you lost your quarterback, uh, Alabama lost its quarterback, but Mac Jones got some important starts down the stretch. Um, that offensive line, which I think more than most positions needs continuity in spring to really kind of, um, get together is I think four starters returned for Alabama off that offensive line unit. And Mac Jones got a couple starts at the end of the year. I think when you talk about Alabama, who this really hurts is a guy like Bryce Young, who had a good chance, in my opinion, to kind of compete for the starting job. But without those 15 spring practices to kind of build a rapport with his receivers and also to build trust with the coaching staff, Mac Jones is further advantaged in that race. And I think that's the area where um, this really affects Alabama. And so, yeah, I think I think there's other places you can point to as well. And it's interesting because this is the year that Lincoln Riley at a place like OU isn't going into sort of that transfer portal or having a quarterback that is transferred in. Um, and it, it may not hurt, even though Oklahoma is moving on from Jalen Hurts, uh, 
you know, there's still a guy with familiarity there, right? And Spencer Rattler that, that I guess Riley and OU are, are going to lean on. Yeah. Oklahoma, I think it's going to be just fine. They, they wanted, I think, I think Spencer Rattler's a guy that, um, could have had a lot of success pretty early on this year had they chosen to go that direction. And Jalen was at the standing for most of the year. But I think in some ways, um, Spencer is, might be an upgrade over Jalen. And he had a year to kind of sit and learn that system. And I think he's going to be dynamic from the jump. Um, Oklahoma, like Alabama, also returns a lot of their starting line. Um, their defense almost returns intact outside of a guy like Kenneth Murray at middle linebacker. So they're... Oklahoma is another team that I think is going to be in really good shape with their coordinators remaining static. Like there, I will probably get there. I think there are some teams that are really hurt uh, by this. And LSU is one that certainly pops up along with the Texas, maybe that turned over most of its coaching staff, but teams like Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio state are all going to be in really good shape. Uh, maybe compared to some other teams at uh, Clemson as well, uh, just based on continuity on the staff and continuity at important positions like quarterback and offensive line. You know, Chris, you talk about that combination and how that's going to sort of dictate the narrative of some of these teams once we get back, hopefully, to some semblance of normalcy and we actually start looking ahead to another season. Is Florida one of those teams because of consistency in the coaching staff and Kyle Trask coming back? Just seems like the Gators are one of those teams, too, that you know, for whatever reason that we have updated, you know, look aheads to the season. I, I don't know what's happening to sort of change the outlooks, but maybe yeah. it's the fact that we're comfortable with Kyle Trask and Dan Mullen and, and, you know, consistency in that coaching staff. You, you think that's part of what we're seeing with, you know, this sort of perception, even though nothing's happening, that Florida is closing ground even more so on Georgia than it was before all of this. Yeah, I think. I think Georgia and Florida are really interesting kind of comparison when we talk about this dynamic of um, being hurt or being helped by kind of this suspension of all football-related activities. Georgia is particularly hurt because not only are they losing a three-year starter in Jake Fromm, they're bringing in a transfer in Jamie Newman who played in a very different system than what he's going to do at Georgia with Todd Munkin. And Todd Munkin, from my understanding, and I heard this from um, Jamie Newman's QB trainer, had not even really installed the offense by the time the spring had gone on pause. So Jamie Newman didn't even really have a full kind of understanding of the playbook or a full like look at the playbook by the time kind of the world hit pause with this coronavirus stuff. So they're they're really going to be hurt from just the general, not only schematic perspective, but from a familiarity perspective. Whereas Florida, like you said, is they return, I believe, 15 or 16 starters, coaching staffs intact. Kyle Trask is going to have the confidence of being a starter heading into the season for the first time since he was in like ninth grade. So I think all of those things work in um, Florida's favor. Plus, like Dan Mullen for a long time has been known as a teacher. Todd Grantham um, has a reputation, but also teacher. And I think those are guys um, from a schematic perspective that are going to have an advantage over some others kind of when the season gets going. And I think it's going to really kind of close the talent gap, which is already shrinking between Georgia and Florida. So I think this is great news for Florida if the season actually happens. I guess when we talk about the dynamic of new coach and new quarterback, there can't be one more intriguing than the one we're anticipating just 85 miles from Tuscaloosa, 
with Mike Leach and KJ Costello, right? I mean, that's got to be, if not at the top of the list, right there. Yeah, that's a tough one because, I mean, the air raid kind of spawned in my state, and I've had so many conversations about it over time. Like, the air raid is entirely dependent on rhythm and timing. Um, the install doesn't really take that long. Like, Mike Leach's playbook, I had, I, I'm trying to remember who the quarterback was. It wasn't um, Sonny Cumbie. It was one of his other starters in the mid-2000s. And um, he was essentially saying that the playbook was about 15 plays when he got there, and he was a fi- and he was there for five years at Texas Tech, and they added maybe five plays the entire time he was at Texas Tech. So that playbook isn't robust, and nor does it change much. But given how dependent that system is on timing and kind of rhythm and kind of establishing a rapport with your wide receivers, with KJ Costello coming in so late and Mike Leach getting so little time to work with his guys, like it could be a really, really slow start to the season for the Bulldogs, just simply because they do not have time to kind of work within the confines of that system. Chris, might that Texas Tech quarterback have been Cody Hodges in 2005 for Mike Leach? That is exactly who it was, yeah. Because we had that Cotton Bowl uh, with Alabama and Texas Tech that capped that 2005 season out there in Dallas. That was the that was the pinnacle. That was the pinnacle, Chris, of the Mike Shula era. Ten and two. (laughs) Beat Mike Leach. Joe Kynes held the Pirate to 10 points in the Cotton Bowl in that game. 13 to 10. Jamie Christensen, you probably recall it. One of the ugliest game-winning field goals of all time there to win that one for Alabama. 13 to 10. Yeah, that that goes back uh, goes back just a little bit. Now, you know, when we talk about potential early week games that are in peril right now because of this pandemic and know sort of this negativity that's out there at this time in terms of you know early season games actually coming off is there is there one in those first couple weeks that you were especially looking forward to whether it was Alabama SC maybe it was Ohio State at Oregon you had I guess Texas making the return trip to LSU did you have one of those games do you still have one of those games that you're hoping upon hope that we can somehow keep in place? You know, I mean, I live in Austin, so Texas, LSU, and the Bayou is going to be, uh, it's going to, I was, I was really hoping for a trip out to Baton Rouge if possible. Yeah. And uh, that's a tough one to lose. But personally, I think Ohio State, Oregon is really mm-hmm. compelling this year. Um, just simply because I think Oregon has a really good chance to make a playoff run if that quarterback position gets kind of uh, sewed up a little bit and they'll have a competition between the graduate transfer they took in from Boston College, uh, Anthony Brown and um, Tyler Show, they're kind of four-star. Uh, but I was I was really looking forward to seeing what Ohio State looked like in year two with Justin Fields, kind of some of those freshman year receiver weapons they were bringing in. So they're, I mean, it's going to be tough to lose a non-conference schedule if that happens because there were some really fun games. I was looking forward to Caden Slovis and SC against that revamped Alabama defense at Jerry think, World. Do you think Clay Helton is super happy he doesn't have to ever <laughs> beat that uh, 2016 experience? Every time they try to whack Clay Helton out there, something happens that you know you, you can't do it. You know, he, he loses a, a he potentially is going to lose a game in which you know most are expecting he's going to lose. Um, yeah, I don't think Clay would have a problem with that one going away at all, Chris. I don't I think just, 
I could just see it now. They cut the non-conference schedule. USC manages to go like eight and one <laughs> in the regular season. USC makes the playoffs, gets a contract extension right before the playoffs, yeah. and Alabama whack-a-moles them by thirty. Yeah, I would be exactly. Very Clay Hilton in USC. Oh, Chris. So as we get out of here, uh, sort of recap us again where we're at with this Final Four for the all-time greatest recruit uh, in that bracket we've got at Twenty Four Seven Sports. Dot com because uh, that vote's going to open up on Monday. Tell us, uh, we've got Julio Jones in there in the Final Four from the Alabama perspective. Adrian Peterson, the former OU great, I guess, in there as well. Reggie Bush coming off his defeat of former Alabama Heisman Trophy winner Derrick Henry. Is Vince Young still in this thing? Is that correct? Is that our four? Yeah, we've got a uh, we got a Texas high school matchup between Vince Young and Adrian Peterson on one side of the bracket, and then we got Julio versus uh, Reggie Bush on the other side of the bracket. So if Alabama fans want to keep Julio alive and keep his Cinderella run going, going, I highly encourage you to head over to Twitter, Instagram, or twenty four seven Sports to vote. There you go, Alabama fans. Your hail mary for Julio here in the Final Four, the all time greatest recruits there at 247sports.com. Well, Chris, as always, we appreciate you taking the time. Always great stuff for us there at 247sports.com. We'll do it again real soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much. There he goes, Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com. That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Daybreak here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer, hoping your week gets off to a great start. We'll check in with you again real soon.